Thank you, Your Honor. May it please the Court. My name is Phil Dormeyer. I'm a CJA-appointed counsel for the appellant in this case, Mr. Timothy Osana. Uh, the issues on appeal concern the imposition of a procedurally flawed and substantially unreasonable sentence. The government, in its brief, has conceded that the district court made a Rule 32 error by checking the wrong box in the Statement of Reasons, uh, which contradicts what the sentencing transcript in the sentencing hearing uh, concluded. Um, however, the parties do differentiate on what the appropriate remedy uh, to this error is. Um, Mr. Osana requests this court to vacate his sentence entirely and to remand the case for resentencing for the following reasons. Well, haven't, haven't our president said it, that it's fine just to have um, the PSR uh, supplemented and sent to the BOP? Your Honor, that is correct. Uh, on most instances, we'd find that the court would essentially correct the record, um, and I believe that uh, the government has suggested just attaching a sentencing transcript to uh, the judgment. However, in this case, it's, uh, it's different uh, because um, the Rule 32 errors essentially have affected uh, Mr. Osana's uh, substantial rights, his fundamental rights, his ability to serve his sentence. Uh, and in fact, uh, we would argue that it taints the record, uh, his service of sentence, and the reasonableness of the sentence, specifically his ability to earn credits under the First Step Act. Um, Counsel, what if, what if um, it had been done correctly the first time? The, the remedy that the I think the government is proposing that you attach the, the transcript with the judgment and the, and the correct boxes is checked, wouldn't the result be the same for your client back then? In other words, what's, what's, where's the, the difference in the substantial rights being affected? Well, I would argue that we can't turn back the hands of time to correct the record and damage has already been done in terms of Mr. Osana's ability to serve his sentences intended by the court. Um, and so, and also, uh, as argued in the briefing, um, Mr. Osana's sentencing calculus, his approach to making objections in his case, contemplated or didn't. There was no, no foreseeability that this error would ever occur. Um, and one of the things that uh, we argue in the briefing is the uh, paragraph 23, 23, which is the four-point enhancement under uh, the 2K chapter. Uh, essentially, what Mr. Osana is saying is that if he would have known or had any foreseeability that he would have ended up in this situation, he would have waged his objections differently at the time of uh, sentencing or before sentencing. So is that is that the substantial right? Because it, even if even if you go back and, and you're asking for a full resentencing and the corrections are made under the, the, the alleged error, as you said, you can't go back in time and un undo, but presumably the BOP would, from this point forward, respond appropriately to the information before it. Is that, is that fair? Your Honor, I, I would suggest that if we were to correct the record and send it to BOP that they would acknowledge it uh, and they would act upon it, um, but that doesn't resolve the remaining objections for Mr. Osana's case that also promote remand, which would include 
his objection to uh, paragraph 52 regarding the Arizona conviction. Um, well, why would remand be necessary on a number of those objections where the district court indicated that it wasn't relying on those matters? Thank you, Your Honor. I think the most important aspect of that is inadvertently when the court um, did not fill out the statement of reasons form correctly, uh, what it did is it violated uh, Mr. Osana's due process rights to address those objections in court, in open court, and have a hearing on those objections. And so um, when the court said it was not going to uh, consider uh, those paragraphs in its sentencing calculus, um, but then the effect of the statement of reasons essentially uh, creates that due process error. Um, and so Mr. Osana would want to be heard on all of his objections, um, including the overall, 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 what would be the benefit of a complete resentencing when, if all of the objections made were accepted, the sentence sought was 46 months. The district court sentenced to 45. So what's going to be the... Uh, what, what's going to be the benefit of, of complete resentencing, um, and how much time remains on the sentence to be served? Uh, the remainder of the sentence uh, is uh, his expected um, outdate is March of 2023. I believe it's the 13th of. Uh, so we're just about six months out. We are, Your Honor, and I'm glad you bring that up. Um, one of the other reasons for a remand in this case is that. Um, Mr. Osana would request uh, the court to consider and also the district court to consider a conditional release to release him to um, a halfway house in St. Louis or San Diego pending the outcome of the appeal because of the 160 days that he calculates that he's lost under the First Step Act due to the Rule 32 error. Was and so that, that would was bring that briefed? It is not briefed, Your Honor. This is something that uh, has come to uh, my attention from Mr. Hassan this week. It had not been uh, briefed in, in uh, the briefs. However, uh, we do intend to pursue that um, and would ask the court to consider that as part of the reason to remand the case. I think it's uh, unlikely we could consider it as part of this appeal being raised at oral argument. Well, e even if this court uh, is, is not uh, inclined to act upon that request, and I certainly understand that, Your Honor, it was not briefed, um, what, what we would say is that we're going to pursue that in the district court and a remand would allow the court to make uh, uh, the, the sentence uh, uh, accurately reflected in the statement of reasons and would also be able to address the uh, consequence of the Rule 32 error. Also, the court would be able to hear Mr. Osana on, on uh, his, Rule 50, or his uh, Paragraph 56 uh, argument regarding... Um, Paragraph 52 um, on uh, the Arizona uh, conviction, uh, which Mr. Osana would clearly, he argues in, the, in, in, in his brief and, and on his behalf, I would say that um, it's clear in the record that the Arizona court and the conviction, um, it, it should not have warranted prison time and therefore should not count for points. I show that I am into my uh, rebuttal time. If there are no other questions, I'll reserve that time. Thank you, Mr. Dormeyer. Thank you, Your Honor.
Mr. Kester. Yes. <clears throat> Good morning, Your Honors. Uh, my name is Jack Kester from the U.S. Attorney's Office from the Eastern District of Missouri. Um, as you can see from the record, Mr. Osana objected to, I believe it was 25 separate paragraphs in the pre-sentence report, but only one of those objections even had the potential to impact his guideline range. As Mr. Dormeyer just said, that was the objection to paragraph 52, and I'm prepared to address why the three points were properly assessed on, uh, for that particular conviction, but first I did want to uh, address the Rule 32 issue in this case. The district court throughout the sentencing hearing made it absolutely clear time and time and time again that all of the disputed portions of the PSR, um, all of Mr. Osana's uh, complaints about the information in the PSR that had no impact on the guideline range, none of that was going to impact the overall sentence. The court was not going to be taking that into consideration. I, I believe yes, that... Isn't there a big difference between concluding that a uh, determination on an objection is unnecessary on the one hand and uh, simply adopting the PSR as written and, and the effect that that has at the BOP. Yes, and, and that's what needs to be, be remedied because the wrong box was, was, was checked and we, we acknowledge that. It's my understanding that you're proposing that the remedy for that is simply to attach a transcript. That, that was one of the remedies that Wouldn't I found. would that require the Bureau of Prisons to sort through pages and pages of transcripts to determine what the rulings are, wouldn't it be better to have an amended uh, statement of reasons? Look, that's also an appropriate remedy as well. Um, it, but some of the cases that I found and cited in the briefs, uh, they adopted, um, since we already have the sentencing transcript and uh, it's, it's clear on the, on the record that that was not impacting the sentence, I thought that would be an easy way to resolve it. But you're correct, too. A, a, another alternative would be to issue an amended statement of reasons. But what so I that would just require a remand, but not a resentencing. A, a limited remand. And, and your honors, for what it's worth, um, after I, I reviewed uh, Mr. Osana's brief and realized that the wrong box was checked, we reached out to, uh, to Mr. Dormeyer and proposed a, a, a limited remand um, to correct that error. Because if the, if the concern truly was that Mr. Osana is missing out on, on programs and, 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 you know, calculations to his BOP credit time, we wanted to get that remedied sooner rather than later. And uh, we were informed that Mr. Osana was going to, to adamantly oppose that because he, he wants a, a full remand for resentencing. But, uh, but so there are a number of ways. What do you think, as I understand the, the concern, though, it may have been even too late then for the remedy that I understand Mr. Osana wants, which is when he got to the Bureau of Prisons, when all of those materials landed there, the information the prison, the BOP had, included all of the pre-sentence report information. And so to the extent that his, um, the, the uh, programs he could participate in, the level of security that he would be placed placed in were, were probably already, maybe, set in stone. I think the Bureau of Prisons probably moves pretty <laughs> slowly on some information. So how do, you, how do you address the idea that your remedy of just, you know, checking the right box now really doesn't get at the harm that Mr. Osana says he suffered as a result of this error? Well, I, I don't know that there's anything else we, we could do at, at, at this point. 
and had the error been, been noticed early, I suppose uh, counsel could have filed something directly with the district court to, to, to correct that. But it, at this point, and, it, and it's also worth noting too, it, I'm not sure uh, for certain what programs, if any, uh, Mr. Osana has been unable to participate in because of this information in the, in, in the PSR. This information is all coming from Mr. Osana, but I'm not aware of any, I'm, I'm not aware of him being turned down for any programs because of some of the, uh, the, the information in the PSR that was in, in, included. Um, but, uh, Do you agree that that's a possibility, even if we don't have the records? Would you agree that's probably a possibility, given some of the information it's, in the pre-sentence report, that he would be turned down from some opportunities? It, it is possible, Your Honor, and, and the answer to that is we, we simply don't know. We, we, we simply do not do not know. So the question now is, what do we do to, to remedy the, the situation? And as I said, that was, was uh, an appropriate remedy that... Uh, that I found was to simply attach the sentencing hearing transcript where the, the, the judge made clear that none of that disputed information was going to impact, impact his, his sentence. Um, with respect to uh, his objection, the, the one objection that actually did impact the, the, the guideline range, that was an objection to paragraph 52, and that concerned a, a 2004 conviction from Arizona uh, Mr. Osana was convicted of uh, possession of cocaine base, and he was sentenced to serve two years and five months in Arizona prison, and therefore it qualified for three criminal history points. Now, Mr. Osana's contention is simply that he received an illegal, unlawful sentence by the court in Arizona back in, in 2004. But it's important to note what was not in dispute about that, uh, that particular conviction. Number one, there was no uh, dispute that he was actually convicted of it. There was no dispute that he received a sentence of two years and five months. There was also no dispute that he actually served all that sentence. He served two years and five months. He was uh, his sentence expired actually in August of 2006 while he was in custody on other charges. And there was no dispute that the, the period of incarceration extended into the, the so-called 15-year uh, look-back period under the, under the guidelines. His sole contention was that the Arizona court imposed an unlawful sentence. And the district court correctly concluded that uh, that amounts to uh, uh, um, you just simply cannot collaterally attack a state conviction in that manner. The guidelines provide that such an attack is, is not available, and this court has recognized on, on many occasions, with the exception of a very, very narrow circumstance, when there's an allegation that someone's right to counsel was violated, you simply cannot collaterally attack a conviction in that manner. But uh, I, would, I would point out too, though, even if such a collateral attack was permitted, it, it would fail. Um, and, you know, the, the reason I suppose we don't allow collateral attacks is because it, it, it requires the parties to do a deep dive into another state's statutory scheme. But there are at least two reasons that a collateral attack on uh, Mr. Osana's conviction in paragraph 52 would fail. 
Um, and you got to go back to 1996. There was a, 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 an enactment called Proposition 200 that the citizens of Arizona enacted, and this significantly changed the, uh, the, the drug penalties in the state of Arizona. And it basically said for a first offense possession of a controlled substance, you were ineligible for prison. You could not be sentenced to a prison term. You were to receive mandatory probation. Um, but as many uh, statutes have, there were a number of exceptions to that. And at least two exceptions would have applied to Mr. Osana, even if he tried to collaterally attack his, his conviction. Uh, most notably, there was a, a violent crime exception. And uh, the, ex the express provision in the statute stated that any person who has been convicted of or indicted for a violent crime is not eligible for probation. This is the statutory scheme, uh, Arizona Revised Statute Section 13-901. Uh, um, and violent crime is defined very broadly under this statute. And it includes, among other things, any criminal use of a deadly weapon or dangerous instrument. Now, back in 1999, Mr. Osana was convicted of uh, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon or dangerous instrument. That conviction is outlined in paragraph 48 of the pre-sentence report. He was sentenced to serve five years. That's the conviction that was actually the subject of three different opinions from, from, from this court that are cited in my brief. But there's no question that that conviction involved the use of a deadly weapon or dangerous instrument, as this court has, has recognized. So Mr. Osana could not successfully collaterally attack this sentence, um, even, if, even if he tried. So the sentence that was, we have a properly uh, calculated guideline range, 41 to 51 months. Mr. Osana asked for a 46-month sentence. The district court gave him 45. It's right in the middle of uh, his properly calculated guideline range, and it was actually lower than Osana himself requested. And so it certainly could not be said to be substantively Chancellor, unreasonable. you exhausted your time, but I did want to ask uh, one question, if the government had any response to the motion to supplement uh, the record on appeal. The two motions to supplement the record? Yes, I had an opportunity, and I, I do not oppose that, because the way I understand it, um, the, the latest one, um, he's simply attaching records to show that two misdemeanor drug paraphernalia uh, convictions have been expunged in Arizona. Those did not count for, for criminal history points. And the other motion to supplement the record um, that, that is not going to change anything here. It, nothing related to the conviction in paragraph 52. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Drummer, your rebuttal. Thank you, Your Honor. I'd like to make one distinction, um, and it was made clear in the government's brief, and I think here today, um, there is a difference between the impact of these objections and the findings on these objections and the rulings on these objections. There's an impact on the sentence itself and how to serve that sentence versus just an impact on the guideline range. And I think the government's focusing on Mr. Osana has um, opposed and argued that paragraph 52 uh, and several others uh, should be heard um, in the district court and ruled upon in this court. 
52 does have an impact on his guideline range. But all these other objections that he's made and the outcome of those objections and the rulings on those objections that impacts the service of the sentence. And it's clear um, that the rule was established um, as a rule to prevent the Bureau of Prisons from relying on information that is inaccurate, untrue, etc. Has anything been put in the record to indicate there has been some detriment to Mr. Osana? Um, Your Honor, there is uh, the, what I would refer to. There's not anything briefed in this uh, in this case, but what I would refer the court to is uh, the First Step Act. Essentially, it, it grades the defendant based on their recidive, recidive risk assessment, um, and it gives them earned time credits based on that assessment. And in this case, uh, Mr. Osana has been assessed at a higher level than what he should, and it has impacted has him. He, has he petitioned for relief under the First Step Act? Um, Your Honor, he has asked for compassionate relief, but he has not filed a motion to that extent, which is what I'm prepared to do following this appeal in the district court. Um, I would also like to address the issue of collateral attack. Um, I do understand that the law has limited aspects of an uh, exception uh, for uncounseled misdemeanor uh, convictions that carry a jail sentence or jail term. However, Osana would assert that being sentenced to prison instead of mandatory probation in violation of Arizona law is equivalent in constitutional magnitude to the uncounseled misdemeanor conviction when prison time is imposed. And further argues that... Um, the sentencing guidelines, uh, it's clear from the record, the sentencing guidelines, that this should not count as points uh, because it should have been probation and is excluded by the look-back period of 10 years. Um, Your Honor, in closing, I see I've exhausted my time. We'll just ask the court to vacate the sentence, remand for resentencing consistent with the briefing and the arguments in this case. All right. Thank you, Mr. Dormeyer. Thank you. Thank you also, Mr. Kester. Court appreciates both counsel's participation in argument this morning. And, Mr. Dormer, we know that you've represented Mr. Osan under the Criminal Justice Act, and we thank you for participating in that program.